Hello and welcome to Schneider Electric's podcast for everyday extraordinary healthcare. An estimated 1,600,000 hospitals around the world are expected to stand for over 70 to 100 years. For owners, operators and even designers, this becomes challenging when we think about the changing needs of a healthcare facility. For an old infrastructure, how do we design that system so that it's sustainable, efficient and adapting to the clinical needs? But also when we're designing new infrastructure, how do we make sure that we design it in a way that it can flex with those changing demands also? What we know is that the building infrastructure needs to be adaptable. It needs to be future ready so that it can accommodate new systems, devices and needs of the clinical environment. So today we're going to talk about flexible buildings and I'm very pleased to say that we have Matt Proctor joining us today. Hi Matt. Hi Chris. So Matt is our global strategic executive with Schneider. He's in our digital energy division and we're going to quickly run through some of the different topics around flexible buildings and Matt's experience coming from the consultant and the design world of the industry is really going to help us get an understanding of what flexible means around the design side. So Matt, if we think about, you know, the pandemic that we've just gone through and we think about the drive for demand around flexible hospitals and flexible buildings, how do you think that pandemic has changed the way in which we think about designing buildings today? Yeah, thanks, Chris. I think the pandemic has accelerated some trends, such as the one to a hospital without walls. You know, the hospital conceived as a a digitally connected community rather than a circumscribed physical space. The twin pillars of digital health, really, are electronic health records, which allow patient information to be shared across health systems and telehealth. And I think what the pandemic has done has really opened up people's idea of what digital can do and what digital transformation can can provide in, in a pandemic situation. So many countries have dealt with this in different ways and some have had to deal with them by building new hospitals, new containerized solutions, you know, such as the Nightingale Hospitals in the UK. Um, and I think it's really opened up the way of how we approach projects and how we can basically solve these issues in a new, not only digital way, but in a very flexible approach to how they're designed. So when when we're working on projects and your experience from your your other uh, career path has, has really been when we design a facility, we're thinking about what's the functionality that's needed for that healthcare building. Now, with the pandemic last year, that completely put that on its on its head, thinking about you know how we have to bring in all these infectious patients. But when you're going through that design process, how do you think and adapt to things that you don't know are going to happen in the future? Because there's only a certain amount of cost that you can put into that infrastructure. So what are the kind of the steps that you take around flexibility or future ready design? Yeah, so I think it starts with the, the patient at the very centre, Chris. I think the way that buildings were historically built was around functionality, but in very siloed ways. But if you put the patient at the very centre of a hospital or a healthcare facility or a community, you very quickly start to understand how that designed into functionality. So the way we used to approach things is, is ask, answer the questions of why we're doing this. So it could be functional adjacencies, you know, having healthcare pathways that really flow and work with each other so that you don't end up sending patients halfway across the campus to get an x-ray and then they come back. So functional adjacencies is one thing. And then what that actually does then is, is really following the why you then go down into into the what. So what functionalities are required? Well, we need a resilient power supply in the ICU. You know, we need health and wellness and biophilia type technologies within waiting rooms and spaces and what that does is really then takes it a step further into the how do we achieve that 
So once you've understood the why and the what, it's how do we achieve that in terms of technological requirements such as the BMS, such as the lighting, such as the AV, such as the IT. All of this stuff then comes into spatial requirements. So the very first thing you obviously have to do is work closely with the architect and the master planner to understand how those functional requirements actually manifest themselves into what cabling topology is needed. How do you then look at designing a system that is very scalable, but also flexible in the sense that if we need to move a wall from you know space A to space B, then we can do it in a way that minimizes downtime. We can do it in a way that doesn't preclude the hospital from stopping to function, because obviously we know it's a 24 seven operation and we need to make sure that those are designed in at the very outset. So there's lots of things that can really happen, but I think you really have to understand those functional adjacencies to make sure that, you know, hospital of today is certainly not what's going to be a hospital in 20 to 30 years time. And that's always one thing to bear in mind when you're designing these is you do not want to design and ensure a fixity in the structural architectural facades and the walls and everything that goes within it, because more often than not, these rooms will need to contract and expand depending on their usage. So really, you know, having that patient-centric approach to how we're thinking about this and and then taking that next step into kind of functionality, functional adjacencies, et cetera. Because, I mean, I've worked in healthcare for a long time now, and one of the hardest things that we have to do is to be able to, to change a space when we have to have downtime of services. So having that inflexibility around the infrastructure as well as having a downtime of service is really difficult uh, when we're trying to do upgrades or modernizations of infrastructures. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And a good example there, Chris, and a good case in point is network converged cabling, where you, you don't really want to be running cables a full length of 90 meters to put a new RJ45 or a network point in, because everything is being uh, digitized. Everything's going IP and, and sort of digitized from a network perspective. But exactly to your case in point there, if you, you want to have a flexible grid, you want to design in flexibility from the outset. So if you want to plug in an IP light or a new you know, patient bed head TV at the bottom, then you know that flexibility can go back to what we call the grid outlet point, which is only five meters away as opposed to 90 meters away. So it's, it's always thinking about these things and how they're going to adapt and change. So it's flexibility, it's modularity, it's making sure that, you know, you can you can put in kind of a, a modular or decentralized focus on it so that you're not doing home run cables back to central rises, et cetera. Exactly right, exactly right. So we, we know that, you know, communications, telecommunications, um, telehealth, I'm sure we'll come on to at some point during this podcast, but it's, it's basically the future is that everything is going to be networked. So we have to think along with the architect, along with the MEP engineers, is around well, how does that impact spatial requirements? And then obviously with the spatial requirements come the column requirements, so the mechanical engineer needs to be fully on board with what that means. And then obviously from an electrical resilience point of view, everything is going down that route. Excellent. I mean, when I first started my career, I remember we used to do a lot of integrated systems, but you, know, you used to do wired runs back to the local controller or the nearest controller point that you had um, in that building. And it was good to do that integration. But I, I expect when you go into an infrastructure today and some of the hospitals that I did 20 years ago, it's going to be difficult to be able to put in a cable run you know, from one side of that corridor to the next. So having the ability to use technology, whether it's wireless, whether it's, you know, IP, as you mentioned, has really helped get into that flexibility. Would you agree with that? 
I would agree 100%. But one one thing to note there is that, you know, <laughs> I've been in the industry a long time as well. And when people think wireless, they go, oh, it's, it's going to solve everything. But at the end of the day, a wireless access point or a Bluetooth beacon normally has a fixed cable behind it somewhere. So we have to make sure that we flood wire these hospitals. And whether it's fiber connectivity, we have dual resilient backbones, because at the end of the day, everything from x-ray, x-ray images through to telecommunications, RTLS, in terms of, you know, location services for patients and assets are all going to be digitized so we need to make sure that we design that in from the ground up and more often than not historically that was always an afterthought you know we could put a comms closet under a stairwell or we could do this way but the importance of resilience and connectivity is is so important now that we need to make sure that it's front and center it's prioritized the spaces are kitted out they're fitted out in an enterprise class level. It's no longer, you know, we can just throw a cable in and hope that it works. These are relying on IP grade enterprise level networks. So we need to look at the racks, we need to look at calling, we need to look at UPS that's associated with that. And that's today. So you can imagine what a hospital is going to be like in 10 years time when we're going to have artificial intelligence, we're looking at big data, all of this data that's going to be used by clinicians, and doctors to really diagnose patients is going to be going over a network at the end of the day. And and let's not forget cybersecurity, Chris. Technology is one thing, but we need to make sure this data is safe, it's secure, it's accessible, and it's open in a way that all of the communities associated with a healthcare facility, whether it's, you know, one department or the GP department or our patients to inpatients, they all need to access a single source of the truth. And the only way you can do that is to have a secure cloud-based network, but the hospitals of the future are really trying to look at health and wellness and trying to prevent the illnesses in the first place. So that then goes beyond the four walls. It then goes out into the community. It then looks at, is there a way that patients can diagnose themselves at home and GPs can access that information? Can preventive diagnosis automatically happen? So you're preventing that trip into a hospital. But guess what? You need good connectivity. You need good connectivity at home to allow that to happen. Yeah, I think someone said to me recently that the most efficient and most sustainable healthcare building is the one that's never built because the patients don't need to go there. And I, I think that's true. If we can, if we can have a, a flexible population in terms of how they're diagnosing and treating themselves, and we keep people out of a healthcare facility, then they're not going to come under that undue stress and demand. Now, you you touched on telehealth, so I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you on that one because I think, you know, with the pandemic, I think we've seen the scale and the rollout now of telehealth for, for most of the outpatient service that are happening. Obviously, you know, protecting patients, do no harm is the, the first focus for healthcare. So using telehealth has really, really been adopted. But how do you see that actually impacting the way in which we design a facility? If we're now designing, changing the why, as opposed to having patients come into a hospital and we're treating them remotely, what, what does that do to the changing kind of requirements of a facility? I think it changes them dramatically. I think like you've already alluded to, you know, the future mm-hmm. of healthcare is is basically at home where patients feel safe, they're at home, they feel comfortable. But if you're going to design a future hospital, then, you know, on top of the structured network and the cabling and, and the connectivity, we need to make sure that rooms are adaptable to allow that to happen. So a case in point might be where someone's having uh, an outpatient meeting within a hospital, but the room isn't available because all of the rooms are taken. But that's not to say that we can't convert another space into that room. So there's always that availability and flexibility so that rooms can change. They can change daily. They can change weekly. But at the end of the day, we need to make sure that 
not only the MEP systems and all of the systems associated behind that, it's around the connectivity. So we make sure that the adjacencies in the rooms are able to, to change and adapt accordingly because telehealth at the end of the day is around that digital interaction between a patient and a healthcare professional to make sure that they have that one-on-one. And in order to do that, they need to make sure that they have clear visibility on the screen. They can read their body language. They can understand what the other person's saying to them. And at the end of the day, we all know, having been locked down in a pandemic for over a year, there is nothing worse than having a bad picture. It's pixelated. You don't understand what the other person's saying, because if that's future telehealth, then it's not going to work. And for that reason, you have to make sure that it's, it's foolproof. The power doesn't go out. You've got to make sure you have that bandwidth and good network connectivity constantly because without that, it will just fail. Yeah, I mean, you're changing it, aren't you? You're thinking of that that exam consult room. It's, you know, thinking of good lighting, good acoustics because it, it is going to be, you know, across a video stream as opposed to face-to-face. Yeah, and also it's about the information shown in exchange as well. So telehealth might be that, you know, obviously it is about patient and professional confidentiality but it's about information sharing and exchange as well and having those borderless and integrated healthcare pathways you know at the moment i'd say today is very coordinated experience i've got a a useful example i had yesterday where i've got an msk appointment because i've got a sore neck (laughs) surprisingly working from home but it was it was quite painful to book an appointment by going through four different systems with four different logins, four different passwords, and four different account numbers just to get an appointment. So you can see how essentially the future is going to be around real-time dynamic updates, real-time information flow that allows the patient to be at the centre. You know, we've spoken about patient centricity, but that is more important than ever to make sure that they don't feel undervalued, that they don't feel they're going to be bogged down with admin and usernames and passwords. It's got to be seamless so that if they want to reduce the footprint of hospitals. And let's let's be honest, it needs to be a hospital is where you go where you're very ill. We want to take patients out, treat them in the community and make them feel like, you know, closer to home. Fantastic. Well, Matt, really appreciate your insights. Uh, it was good chatting with you. Thank you very much, Chris. Always a pleasure. And thanks for listening to this episode of Schneider Electric's podcast for everyday extraordinary healthcare. Please check out our website, se.com backslash healthcare for additional information.